You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. War Eagle Auburn fans, welcome to Inside the Jungle, your source for Auburn men's basketball analysis and discussion. On tonight's episode, we're going to be breaking down the Auburn Tigers' victory over the Iowa State Cyclones. I always get mixed up when I say that because they have a cardinal and a tornado, but yet there's a cyclone. It's confusing no matter what. Anyway, Auburn defeats Iowa State by the score of 80 to 76, pushing their overall record to 17 and 2, still 4 and 2 in SEC conference play. We're going to break down all the storylines, the action from this game tonight. And to do that, I brought in my friend and co host, Mr. Drew Hooper. Drew, it feels good to be completely undefeated in non conference play. It does. I I thought Auburn played a really good game yesterday, and Iowa State came, and it was a decently tough opponent for being 9-9 and on the year. So that's the thing I I actually want us to expound upon a little bit here is I'm confused about this Iowa State team because if you you look at their record, it was 9-9 and coming in. Uh, You looked at the conference they've been playing in, a pretty respectable conference in terms of competition and level of play in basketball. And you kind of give them a little bit of a pass on that record. Coming in, I thought they would maybe not be up to the challenge playing in an Auburn arena. And for a time there, it looked like it might have been the case. But uh, I have to say, Drew, that I was I left very impressed by that Iowa State team. Yeah, Iowa State is not as talented as Auburn, but definitely works just as hard. And I I think that's really credit to their coach, Steve Prom. I respect him a lot. He was a Murray State guy back from where I'm from. And it just does quality work with not very much. And so uh, Iowa State's always going to be a team that is going to give you a very tough game and having a little down year this year, but they're breaking in a couple new players. And so I I think next year Iowa State's going to be that team that really uh, is able to throw a punch pretty good. Well, here's the thing, a down year for Iowa State because of the type of program they built over uh, several years here is it's not so down because when Auburn goes down in basketball, they go down hard. And we've, we've all experienced that here with uh, the Barbie area, some part of the Lebo area, and the end of the Cliff Ellis area here. That long tenure of just non-success for Auburn basketball, it's not as low that the, the others don't experience some of the lows that we have here. So very respectable Iowa State team, and I think it'll look good on paper when we say, hey, we beat this Iowa State team and won the Big 12 Challenge. Now, Drew, I have to be honest here. I did not pay attention to a lot of the games outside of the Auburn game for the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Uh, do you have any impressions or, or – thoughts about what happened in the other games did the sec represent yeah we represent pretty well i mean definitely i think we won the challenge i'll definitely look that up as we're as we're sitting here talking but you know i thought the sec showed well in the games in which they're supposed to win they won and that's really all you can ask i mean florida kind of dropped an eggs against baylor but baylor's really good right uh kansas was shorthanded tennessee wasn't able to do much with them maybe maybe we didn't do as good as i thought west virginia beat the crud out of missouri kentucky won in overtime lsu somehow keeps winning these single digit games that <laughs> for our future against lsu our breakdown is going to be don't be in a single digit game or in a one two possession game with lsu towards the end oh, yeah. uh i mean oklahoma squeaked out against mississippi state OSU beat A&M, Arkansas beat TCU, and Alabama beat K-State. So it looks like they did a little better, but, I mean, the matchups weren't favorable in some of those instances. 
Well, it seems like yet again, the Big 12 probably does get the better of the SEC in this case here. And and just for some stats here, the Big 12, since the inception of the Big 12 SEC Challenge, their record is 4-1-1, and meaning there was a tie um, in one of those years. And just to remind people, obviously, they don't have a full slot of 12 teams uh, to fill, even though they call themselves a Big 12, so they only match up what they can with Auburn with, or with the SEC, which means a couple of teams sit out. Uh, every year and thankfully a few of our worst teams like Ole Miss uh, did not sit out or had to sit out this year so that did not factor in at all but still the Big 12 seems to kind of hold uh, the candle when it comes to this challenge here but you know Drew I really enjoy this one we got we touched on this topic a little bit last episode but just to kind of bring it forward again I, I the more this is played I still wish it was at the very end of non-conference play instead of in the middle of conference play but I really like playing this. Do you still feel that way? I do. And I, I'm fine with it being in the middle. It's weird, but I think it breaks up the monotony of the the grind of the SEC schools. For some of us like Auburn and maybe a Tennessee or someone like that, it's good to see someone not in the SEC just for a brief moment. Because right now, I mean, you got a lot of teams in the SEC that are just taking shots at each other. And it's a hard road in the SEC. So to break it up a little bit, and to draw on Iowa State that maybe wasn't the quality that we'd see of Iowa State in years past, I think that's good for Auburn to really get some confidence going as well and know, you know what, you're not having to go down to Baton Rouge and play a game. You're not having to go to the Swamp and play a game. You're not having to do you're not having to go to these different places. And so I think that kind of helps a little bit. It does, and thank goodness again that this was not in Ames, Iowa, because just weird things happen happen there. So uh, Auburn does get the win here, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the game. I do want to touch on some just general notes and things like that before we move on. Uh, some kind of major announcements. Uh, Sharif Cooper, our big-time point guard recruit that will be coming in next year, was named a McDonald's All-American, which makes him Auburn's first McDonald's All-American. You know, Drew, I, I will not say. Are we sure say, that's a true fact? Because I've, I've seen some pushback on that. Really? Because I thought I saw like an official like statement by it. And I could be okay. wrong. It, they may have been called something else back in the day. But I know Auburn did have two to three uh, kind of consensus high school All-Americans okay. come through the program. Well, how about this? We can definitely say in the last 20 to 30 years, he is our first McDonald's All-American. Is that a fair statement? I would still challenge it, but I'm fine with that. Okay. Well, we'll say since Cliff Ellis. In the Ellis, past decade. <laughs> yes. It, since Cliff Ellis, we have not had a McDonald's All-American. I know that for a fact. That's how bad it's been there. Nobody's wanted to come to play. I mean, let, Del Taco All-Americans have not wanted to come play here at Auburn. That's how bad it's been. But regardless of that, very huge accomplishment for Auburn, obviously, to secure a talent like that. But, you know, there's just something about – having the tagline we have a mcdonald's all-american you know it's just one of those things that makes you feel like you've risen to a new level of basketball and i gotta think drew that this is only going to help us going forward i think it will a uh, little recruiting news too that just kind of has started to rumble as the late Jalen green number one prospect in that 2020 class who's also a mcdonald's all-american he has been begun to gain steam in the crystal ball world for auburn I saw that as well. Um, you know, I've seen that steam build before with him and it kind of petered off. So I'm not getting my hopes up uh, a lot here. But the fact that it is started to build again is quite interesting with the way things have kind of played out. So it could be another story coming out soon of a second McDonald's All-American in the past decade. 
uh, which would be, it'd be it's one thing for Auburn to secure one, but then for them to secure two in the same recruiting class, that would be absolutely incredible. Well, let and me I, give you a little steam to that, okay. just to kind of get your hopes up to eventually let you down. Uh, so he he's favored to Memphis right now. Being from Memphis or being in Memphis right now, living here in Memphis, uh, there's a lot of cooling on Jalen Green because of the struggles they've had this year, the James Wiseman episode. That's the reason we were able to pull more out of West Memphis. He was a hard Memphis commit there for a while until he signed with Auburn and made the decision to come down to Auburn. And so a lot of the same things are happening to Green. Oregon's the other one in play, but a lot of people don't think they're very much in play. And so just to give Auburn fans a little hope, I'm not saying it's a done deal or anything like that, but I think there's reason to be hopeful in this recruiting process because Auburn's having a really good season. Memphis is down. They look a little bit in shambles. And it looks like that backcourt is going to be crowded for him as well. And so it's a little bit different story on the Auburn end. He's stepping right into playing time, most likely. Why do you do this to me, Drew? Why do you get my hopes up? That's that's the job of the Boom Tracker boys. They're the ones that are supposed to get my hopes up about things and then have them dashed. This is not your job on this on this podcast. How dare hey, you, sir? Hey, I mean, I'm just here to say that. And I mean, Okoro and Sharif Cooper have always wanted to play college ball together after playing some high school ball. Everyone's saying Okoro's a lock for the draft. I think he should go, but... I mean, dude loves college. He he may stay and play with Sharif too. Uh, not to get your hopes up more. God, true. You are just you are setting me up for the biggest fall ever. But uh, if that happens, I will be one happy dude. As, a, as I'm sure many other Auburn fans will, as well. Another note, uh, another big piece of news here. This I can say definitively for the first time ever. College Game Day, the men's basketball version of that ESPN show, will be coming to Auburn Arena Saturday morning. Uh, for this next Saturday for the Kentucky game, Auburn versus Kentucky. I think it's uh, 16 versus 12 as we're ranked right now. Uh, obviously, a much bigger matchup than the rankings would have you say. This has the feel of a Big Ten matchup. Uh, another tool in the belt of Auburn for recruiting, Drew, I think, to be able to say that, hey, we can garner McDonald's All-Americans, but now we garner the interest of College Game Day. Yeah, I think that's that's going to be really good to have at Auburn, especially the atmosphere that Auburn Arena brings. So I think that's definitely one that's a good selling tool. So if we got any recruits that we're looking at, bring them in that weekend because that's just going to be a, a fun weekend. But I also think this really is a battle for who's going to be able to be top two, top three in the SEC. Right. Uh, I think Kentucky's not as good as they have been. I watched them against Texas Tech. They they played decently, but there's still a lot of flaws. I think Auburn is still that better all-around team. And so I, I'm excited to see how Auburn faces up against a big big matchup like that. Yeah, and we'll talk a lot more detail about that one uh, on next episode when we preview it. But yeah, it, it is definitely a very big matchup with a lot of implications for the SEC and, and warrants college game day coming to be part of the hype for that game, building up to the night when they actually play. Uh, moving a little bit into this game here, just kind of another fun note to talk about and just enjoying the fact that Bruce Pearl is, is who he is. Uh, he's out there again. It's 11 a.m. game. Uh, you got to expect uh, that college students are not wanting to probably get up that early in Auburn, Alabama to be at a game. I mean, the game starts at 11 their time, which means that the gates open probably at 9, which means they're probably in line at 8 o'clock. Bruce Pearl is out there again handing out food if there's one thing you can do to college students to get them somewhere is give them free food 
showed up with chicken biscuits, I think, last time. This time he shows up with donuts. Drew, what does he have to do next time for the next 11 a.m. game to get the students to show up? Uh, just keep winning, I think. Yeah. I, I mean, I, re- I really think that everyone is excited and locked in on this. But, I mean, Bruce always got something up his sleeve. He may just, like plan a Starbucks right in the middle of Auburn arena and everyone show up and do it. I mean, you never know what he's going to do. The dude is a master marketer and I continue to maintain that as happy as I am with Alan green as our AD, I would love to see Bruce Pearl someday as an AD for Auburn, but that's a topic for another day. Let's talk about this Iowa state game in detail here, just to give the fans at home a little perspective that weren't able to watch or listen. Uh, The game flow first half, um, after the first couple of minutes, Auburn really kicked it in high gear and basically looked like Auburn of 2018 and 2019, making tons of three-pointers. Uh, I think it was six individuals had made three-pointers in the first half. And then they had control of the game, but Iowa State was never really out of it. Second half, they about the 10-minute mark, Iowa State made that big run to kind of put themselves in position to make it an interesting game. And lo and behold, they did. It came down to a two-possession game at the very end of it and had a bounce gone a different way, a shot gone down. uh, We're talking some very, very stressed Auburn fans and the Clint Richardson gift would be flying at the end of this. So let's talk about that ending. Um, Drew, was it more Iowa state did the, did what they needed to do to put themselves in position to win, or was Auburn playing lackadaisical or to kind of cause themselves some problems? Okay. I have two ideas on this one. We see like 14-minute mark into 10-minute mark whenever Iowa State really started to hop back in this. Auburn had a 20-point lead. I think then they were getting very lackadaisical. Really, we're just kind of not getting back to the back on defense, not getting to the basket on offense as getting into the lane as they were scoring in the paint as much as they did in the first half. And I think the second run that Iowa State made made when I or when Auburn jumped out to about a 14-15 point lead. Uh, I'm not blaming the refs, but I think a lot of that was on the refs. The whistle yeah. started blowing frequently at that point. Well, you know, we're not quick or anything to blame the refs, but uh, it did seem a little bit opportunistic. Uh, I'll say it that much, uh, but it, it made it quite interesting at the end. And whether it was because of the refs or not is um, Auburn made the mistakes to give Iowa State and Iowa State had to seize upon those mistakes. And that's why we I think we have so much respect for them is because they came into a very hostile environment and a a very tough place to win because Auburn is now 14 straight home wins now. And, of course, now that that streak is out there and someone has verbalized it, it means it's going to end. That's just the way things go with being an Auburn fan. As soon as you celebrate it, it ends. Um, But still, I was very impressed with Iowa State and their ability to uh, not back down from a big challenge. And, And part of the reason they were so successful is they had a really great player on the other side just like we did. So the matchup was Okoro versus Halliburton. NBA scouts came in to watch these two um, and Halliburton from the other side. And uh, I, I'd be interested to in what you think on this, Drew. Who would you take, Okoro or Halliburton, based on how you saw them play yesterday? Yeah, I'm taking Okoro every time. His defense, I'm a big defense guy. And I, I you watch him off the ball play defense, he face guards. Like his guy does not get the ball unless he wants it unless he wants him to touch the ball. And just to be able to do that as an 18-year-old, I think he's only going to get better in that aspect. He's quick. He gets to the rim a lot. Halliburton's a really good player. I just think Okoro has all the tools right now on the defensive end 
and is beginning to work in his shot a little bit more. And Mm -hmm. he's getting smarter on the offensive end. He had a three-game streak right there where he was playing outside of himself, but now he's kind of back to, I'm going to attack the basket and just get to the free throw line, get my points, convert strongly on and ones, and rebound. And uh, I'm taking Okoro right now. There's not been many matchups where I say I'm going to take another person over Okoro currently. And I'm comfortable with that statement there because I, I would feel the same way. And I know that seems like we have orange and blue glasses on here. But just to give you some stats perspective here, based on there's two performances in the same game together, uh, 19 points for Okoro, uh, two rebounds, two assists, and 32 minutes of playing time. Halliburton had 12 uh, points, uh, about six rebounds, and uh, three assists. And that was about 40. Well, he played the entire game. So give, uh, you know, a coral credit. He did more with less time and not just in terms of offensive stats. What you brought up here is his defensive presence is what sets him apart. I think from a lot of these other big names in college basketball, and he showed NBA scouts where he struggled a little bit with his shooting yesterday or in, in previous games, he did a little bit better that yesterday, uh, yesterday. So I think he made a lot of headway towards his potential in the NBA draft this year or whenever he goes. Of course, you've got my hopes up now that he's going to stay and we're going to have Sharif Cooper, Jalen Green, Okoro all together on the same court at one time. Hey, never promise. I just told you there are realities out there when this happens. I know. I'm just, I'm I'm your Dr. Strange. I just tell you these (laughs) these are the potential odds. I love that analogy there. Uh, But hey, how about this? Halliburton, did you get a Tayshawn Prince vibe from him at all? Is is that, am I just crazy? Uh, I mean, yeah, I can see it. Plays really slow and methodically and just kind of, whenever you think you've got him, you don't have him. Right. Uh, but I mean, he was good. Like, I, I think he, he still needs to get seasoned a little bit. I mean, say with the Coro, like still a lot of way to go for him. But, you, you know, I thought uh, that's a fair comparison. I just it was it was obviously his body build is very similar to what Tayshawn Prince was. Uh, and like you said, it was kind of an elusive. But when you thought you had him in control, all of a sudden there he is doing something amazing like that uh, full court pass that he had to drop it in on a dime for them to, on, on the fast break was pretty amazing, too. And he made some uh, pretty decent shots as well. I just thought we didn't see the full potential of Halliburton. He's the first one of these big names when we've asked the question, okay, Anthony Edwards versus Okoro, who wins? We've made that decision. When, we, when we've been asking these questions, Okoro versus this person, this is the first time I kind of looked at someone and said, I, I'd like to see another matchup here. And I love Okoro, but I'm interested to see how that might happen again. So really liked what I saw out of Halliburton. I think that's another reason why I was so high Iowa State coming out of this game here. A little bit more about our players, though. Samir Dowdy, I think, has turned the corner. Would you agree? I think his three-point shooting still isn't back yet, but he did better about whenever it wasn't dropping, he was getting to the rim. And that's exactly what you need to do. Sometimes your shot ain't there. And just to get into the lane, get to the free throw line, see the shot go in, just wiggle around in the paint like we know he can do. I think that was the best thing for him. I think that's probably what Bruce and the rest of the coaching staff was telling him, man, if it's not dropping, you're good enough to get to the basket. Use that floater. Use just your elusive handles to to get where you need to be on the court. Yeah, and I, that's what I love about this is that I'm, when I say that he turned the corner, not in terms of his three-point shooting, but simply from the holistic nature of his game. 
he made a decision finally that I'm not going to sit here and live and die by this three and try to force it to work. I'm going to make it work in other ways. I mean, he was seven for eight from the free throw line. And it's amazing. I mean, you know, that's exactly what needs to happen. He needs to go in, drive, draw a foul, and go to the free throw line. And, you know, Auburn, again, didn't get to that 80% mark, but they made me very happy last time with their percentage. So I'm willing to give them the 67% that they got in this time. I'm I'm willing to let it slide just this once because they made me so happy last time. Uh, But uh, just looking at a couple other players, Daniel Purifoy had 11 points. Javon McCormick had 11 uh, so that's four players in double digits tonight. Who do you think that we haven't talked about yet had the best game? I thought Purifoy had a good game. I didn't think it was great, but I think he came up in moments when he needed to be big. And uh, I mean, his three three point field goals were were quality. He had some really good rebounds, and he played some good defense. He he came away with three steals on the day. I would like to see more consistency from Dangel. I don't know what it's going to take because. His stroke is very pure, but it, it just doesn't seem to want to go down a lot of the time. So I, I think definitely just him finding whatever that stroke is that he needs to. He did have a really bonehead play trying to dribble out the clock and then just jacking a three there at the end of the game. But yeah. overall, I think he did he did fairly decently out of the group that we don't often talk about. Right. And I think he gets stuck in this area of I'm a really good three point shooter. I'm a really good close out, go to the basket and just slam it down type of guy. And I think he kind of gets stuck between those two decisions. And I think that's why you see his pure shot, but it just doesn't seem to go down because there's not a full confidence that I made the right choice. Maybe I could have driven in, scored that way or dished it off to a better suggestion there. I just I, I think I see a lot of second guessing from him at times. And I think that's where that comes into play there, in my opinion. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I he, think just, he... he just needs to listen to the great Michael Scott. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. <laughs> I mean, that's that's just the reality of the world. How dare you say <laughs> that is not Michael Scott's quote. It that is. It, it is. is. Pro- prove it. You can't. Okay, it is moving quote, on. But it's not moving on. Okay. No, you're wrong. It's fine. <laughs> uh, how about this? Let's talk about the three point shooting. Um, what happened? Did we like time warp and go back to 2018-19 season? What was going on there? We got into the lane and we kicked it out. It's Double amazing back. how much better a three-point shoot or a three-point shot can go in or how more consistently it can be whenever it is actually an open shot and not a contested shot or not I'm just going to sit here and dribble until I just feel like shooting shot. It it was a con- concentrated effort on Okoro, on Dowdy, on McCormick, on all of them getting into the lane and kicking the ball back out whenever they didn't have a way to the basket because Iowa State was collapsing on them and a cla- and collapsing on Wiley as well. And so I think that's really what Bruce is going to continue to hammer home is get into the lane and those shots are going to be there. They're not as good of a shooting team as last year. We all already know that but they can knock down shots. They're not a bad shooting team either. Right. So let me ask this then, because this is kind of the question I had about three-point shooting. Was this a concerted effort or game plan to do it this way? Or do you think Auburn was just kind of opportunistically taking advantage of what was given to them? I, I think it was, they took advantage of what was given to them. And that's, that's what basketball is. You have yeah. to take what's in front of you. You can't just make something happen. I think we've seen throughout the year, the season, trying to force things to happen, trying to make Wiley the focal point, trying to only shoot threes, trying to beat beat teams in a certain way. And I think it's you take what the defense has given you and you do 
your best with it. And sometimes that is widely being open. But I think the more we get into the lane and kick out, make these threes, that's going to force Wiley open. And the more he's down low making baskets, that's going to force them to drop down on him and open up these threes. They work in unison with each other. And I think that's what Bruce is trying to get across to this team is you need to do a mixture of all of it. Because if, if you just hone in on only shooting threes, guess what? They're going to continue to guard you at the three-point line. Yeah, and I think the what speaks to the variety of just working with what you're giving and making it work that way is you look at the point spread here. While, yes, it was dominated by four of the starters getting in double digits here, everyone scores a point tonight except Devin Cambridge, but Devin Cambridge was making impacts in other ways uh, that I, I saw throughout the night, some very intangible ways. So I, I just felt tonight, uh, and I say tonight, we're recording this a day after, that we saw one of the more... I won't say I don't want to say a complete game, Drew, but I will say it was a very satisfying game for the Auburn Tigers. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think it, this was definitely a game in which you can look and go, "Wow, Auburn did really well." Like, obviously, the score is only a four point victory, but I think that is a lot closer than the the score looks a lot closer than the game actually was. Right. And, and a lot of that has come from how it was managed at the end of the game. There, a bad decision here, or uh, Iowa State taking advantage of some opportunities. And, you know, this probably was a little bit closer than it actually was. Uh, but thankfully, Auburn ends non-conference play finally um, undefeated and can check that off on their wish list for the 2019-2020 season. Uh, but we'll continue that effort into conference play with our next game heading over to Oxford, Mississippi, take on the Ole Miss Rebels. Now, Ole Miss Rebels, they're 10 and 9, 1 and 5 now in the SEC. The game is at 8 p.m. Central Time this Tuesday, the 28th on ESPNU. So another late game for the Tigers. They're coming off their first SEC win against Georgia, 70 to 60 at Georgia, mind you. Not an easy place to win either against the Tom Crean coach team. Um, another little bit of perspective for this Mississippi team. I can't really find a lot of signature wins for them. I, I, I would throw the win at UGA in there, maybe the Penn State win. Uh, some of their worst losses at Texas A&M versus Oklahoma State. They only scored 37 in that game. So, Drew, um, what I see here is an Ole Miss team that struggles to score but has the potential to beat you. Sure. That's being generous. <laughs> Georgia they str- said the same they, thing, and then look, yeah, they but got Anthony beat. Edwards went three of twelve. I mean, like if the if Anthony Edwards does not score a lot of points, Georgia does not win. Fair I marked that at the podcast at the beginning of the season, and then when we broke it down the middle of the season, like Georgia goes the way of Anthony Edwards. Ole Miss is bad; like they are just really bad, and I I don't see where like uh, Tyree is a really good player, but outside of that, I mean you're struggling to get baskets. I mean, you know, Auburn fans were lamenting over 47 points, one of our worst games in about a decade, uh, scoring-wise a couple of games ago. Can you imagine, Drew, only scoring 37 points? How boring is that? I mean, they've scored 37. They've scored 47. I mean, this team does not score a lot of points. Like, it just... I, I don't know what's going on with Old Miss because Kerber Davis is a really good coach. He is, and that's the that's the crazy thing. I, I just don't understand what has happened. You know, I, I get it. There's there's a transition period there. 
uh, you know, from losing their former coach to now bringing in Kermit Davis. And Ole Miss has always been one of those can't figure out how they seem to always get one up on us at least once a season. So, uh, Drew, is this the year that Auburn has a chance to finally get that monkey off their back of, of sweeping Ole Miss? I hope so. I mean, I'm going to be at the Pavilion Tuesday night yeah, watching with fellow ETC guy Peter Green. And last time we went down to Ole Miss, it did not end well. So we're hoping to redeem ourselves this time. But if Auburn can't, it, it, this is basically who's going to be the first to get the 60. And if Auburn can't be the first to get the 60, we don't deserve to be playing basketball in SEC. <laughs> wow, you're just going to make that out there. Right there. Yeah. Uh, hopefully uh, the offense has figured itself out there. Hopefully some players have figured how they can both be successful within this team uh, to this point. Um, my assumption is this. Now we've had two home games after that two game uh, road games skid to really fix things, but how fixed are they? We won't know that until we actually go onto the road. And even against a bad Ole Miss team, they are still, uh, have going to have that home court advantage. And I'm sure that everyone's going to be chomping in the bit still to beat a highly ranked and highly favored Auburn Tigers team. Uh, Drew already brought him up. A couple of players for you to watch. Brennan Tyree, a familiar name for a lot of us. He's been a great three-point shooter, senior guard, scoring 18.9 points per game. And then KJ uh, Buffin, a sophomore forward, is their top rebounder at 6.3 rebounds per game. So just a couple of names to keep in mind as we head over there to Oxford to take on the Rebels and hopefully remind them of why they lost five games in a row in the end. You're not going to talk about the my boy Kadeem Sai from Senegal? Dude's a monster. Well, drop drop some knowledge on me then. I, that's going to be an interesting one to watch because he, junior college guy, came to um, Ole Miss by way of Senegal. I think that's going to be an interesting matchup down low. He had a pretty good game against Georgia. So I would be interested to see how austin wiley handles him uh because 240 he's a pretty big boy i mean he's not the biggest guy in the world but i think just his length is going to be difficult for austin at times but austin's been securing a lot of good rebounds lately so i'm interested yeah his hands have been very sure on the rebounds i would say at times uh, on his catching in the lane when he's getting his pass to has been a little bit subject or keeping it protected not necessarily catching it uh, but I, there's one thing that I ha- I can – two things I can actually uh, stand firm on with Austin Wiley. He has figured out how to shoot free throws, and he has figured out how to rebound consistently. And so that's why I feel like in any matchup thus far, he's earned the, the right for us to say that I think he's favored in that matchup. But again, to your point, it's a different player, a different matchup, uh, and uh, thank you for bringing that one to our attention there. So uh, we'll be watching earnestly to see if Auburn Tigers can figure their road woes out in the SEC uh, in this game coming up late on Tuesday night. That's all we have for talking about the Ole Miss game. Just a quick women's update. Uh, I have more good news, if that wasn't enough for you at the beginning of our show. The women have won an SEC game. They have gotten the good vibes started by beating Ole Miss at home 59-43. to 43. Now the bad news is this. They are going to number 12, Kentucky, tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Central Time. You can watch it on SEC Network. So the good vibes may not last too long, but we'll hope for the best there. Um, Drew, that's all we have here on this episode. But if they want to talk to you, where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Drew underscore hoop, H-O-O-P, zero two. You can find me on Twitter as well at TigerEye24. Thank you for listening to this edition of Inside the Jungle. Until we talk to you again, War Eagle. War Eagle.
Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?